If you could change the world, how would you do it? Ken Parker wants to do it through educational technology, but maybe not in the same way you're probably thinking about. I'm Garland McWaters, and welcome to the Spirit of Leading. Ken Parker is a successful technology entrepreneur with a vision for changing the world through education. He's the CEO of Next Thought, an educational technology company in Norman, Oklahoma. And we're actually in Ken's uh, place of business here doing this recording today. So Ken, thanks so much for joining us and thanks for inviting me into your company. Oh, thank you, Garland. I appreciate the chance to talk about something that I'm very passionate about and that is leadership and education. So two of my favorites. Technology uh, has, has focused on education delivery, you know, I guess ever since the invention of the quill. And I've lived, I know, in my life through every round of technolo technological innovation that produces even more applications in education. And I, we do have some common background because I went to Oklahoma Christian, and I know you went there as well after it became a university. But when I went there, the thing that attracted me to it was the learning center. It was educational technology with all of the... Uh, Many of the lectures that professors would do was put on, was recorded on reel-to-reel -reel tape, and they had this huge room about the size of your business here set up with tape recorders, and you would go into your learning carol, a little cubicle, and you would dial up a number, and then your tape would start, and then you would listen to it and follow along in a notebook. And, that, and I was just amazed by that technology back in that day, and now look where we've come to. So, I mean, there's been all kinds of innovations in education, and now computers and so on and so forth, and, and so many applications. I'm just wondering, uh, here in your business, Next Thought, how are you taking and using this technology in a different way to give us a different experience in learning and education? What's well, a great observation, Garland, and a great question. Indeed, technology uh, seems like there have been uh, histories littered with examples of technology that's promised to revolutionize education and it's going to make uh, great education available for everybody everywhere and each generation uh, sees those expectations kind of crashed and dashed on the rocks of reality because education's hard and uh, and to do it well is is difficult and to learn just takes hard work and there's nothing uh, there's no matrix style solution that's going to plug in a cable to the back of our head and make it easy all of a sudden and so because it's hard because uh, we desperately need uh, good education then I think a lot of people are always looking for solutions that can help make it easier make it more accessible and so History has uh, has seen many cases where uh, whatever the latest technology is, from radio to uh, television to all sorts of recorded media, all of those have, have been uh, promised as saviors for education. And so uh, the Internet is, uh, is certainly a technology that's uh, being employed and, um, and with high expectations in, ed in education. And a lot of the uh, a lot of the way that it's being used now uh, is to distribute information, and that uh, because the internet uh, connects people around the world, it allows you to 
push information globally, instantly, freely. And that's a powerful thing. And yet, uh, quite often, that's not sufficient uh, for a good educational experience. And so all of that to say, one of the things that's different about Next Thought and what we're doing is we want to use the internet for perhaps its most powerful benefit, I would say, its most transformative benefit for people, and that is it connects people. So yes, it distributes information, uh, but I think more importantly and more uh, with greater impact is uh, the way that it connects people and lets them uh, collaborate, communicate, cooperate, compete at a distance and across uh, time as well. And so uh, the Next Thought platform tries to harness the benefits of the social nature of people and the, the way that people connect with one another. Frankly, I think one of the things that I would say is different about this generation of technology and expectations and why I think the current technology is different from the past because of its ubiquitous nature. Pretty much everybody has access to the internet. And so if people have access to the internet, then they can have access to not only the resources, but also to the global community that is, uh, that is working together for education. And in a sense, that's kind of what we're doing here today. I mean, we're sitting here in your offices, in the conference room, in your office space, and we are recording this podcast, which will now, uh, once it's produced, be put out there. And it will be out there forever, I guess. And it's there, and anybody can access it at any time once it's posted for the public. And so it's uh, highly likely that maybe someday, maybe soon, uh, what we're doing here today and what you're talking about in terms of your your approach to education becomes sort of a piece of information that some learner would access and say, oh, Ken Parker said that, or this is what Ken's doing. And we have since added to that community. Exactly. And it's uh, that effect is often referred to now as the long tail, uh, which means instead of something being broadcast at one time and only available at one time and uh, perhaps even just one place. Uh, instead, as you said, it's, uh, it's archived and it's discoverable so that there's a very long time uh, at which it could potentially have impact. It could potentially influence and inform and educate. And so it's one of the, uh, it's one of the very powerful aspects of going digital and then having the internet that connects everybody to that digital warehouse. The uh, Next Thought platform, uh, is it a, a platform that's available to uh, all kinds of institutions or how, how is the platform being used? It can be made available to anybody that the content author, that the teacher wants to make it available to. So if the institution has a very broad educational mission, for instance, the University of Oklahoma is one of our largest clients. In most of the work that they have developed, most of the educational experiences they have created, they make available to anyone for free. Uh, just go to janux.ou.edu, that's J-A-N-U-X, .ou.edu, 
and you can access it for free and you can become part of the learning community. The content can be made open and available to anyone. It can also be, in some cases, the educational experience is sold uh, where they're selling an educational uh, credential or some sort of uh, some sort of experience. It's literally that the One Room Schoolhouse has now become you and your laptop or your phone. Wherever you are and you have access to, to an internet uh, signal, uh, you can be in a learning environment. Exactly right. And the, uh, the real power of that is that through the connection of the internet, it's not just you, but rather uh, because of the connection with the internet and the connective power of the internet, then you can be part of a learning community that's global, that cuts across every, every barrier that used to separate people, starting with geography, but it can cut across uh, cultures, socioeconomic uh, uh, divisions, anything that used to separate people. The internet slices through that like a knife through hot butter and allows that, uh, that group to... Uh, to interact and collaborate in a common educational uh, objective. That's really powerful, and that's different. That's something that's different about this generation of technology. It's, uh, it's still being developed. I call this the, education, the digital education frontier right now, where it really is like a vast unexplored, undeveloped frontier of opportunity. And so I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of explorers and experimenters that are figuring out how do we really uh, harness this technology for a terrific learning experience. And I am convinced that one key part of that is the community aspect, the social, the relational part of education. That's what's um, often missing with education technology, and I think that's something that a lot of people are looking to engage productively. It's a very transformational time for us, and I think visionaries are sensing that, that the the, and as you were explaining that, my mind was kind of wandering into the, to, to the new world of what the new world could be uh, and that could be transformed by this kind of educational approach. And we're getting, it seems like we're almost getting away from sort of institutional bound and institutional driven uh, information into, to, into a more ubiquitous as you, uh, type of information that individuals become their own institution in a sense. They access their own educational uh, platforms and they drive their own educational interests and I think it's just going to change not only institutions but maybe uh, the the nature of uh, educational connection totally and and that has the opportunity to change a lot of other things about our cultures and, and the way the world interacts and so forth right no I I couldn't agree more it's uh, it's very much in play right now I think a lot of institutions are exploring and trying to figure out how do we uh, how does our mission and our approach evolve uh, with the changing demographics with the changing technology and with the changing culture uh, that's really altering a, a large swath of our existence right now and uh, I think the institutions are grappling with how do we maintain relevance 
One of the concepts that we talk about a lot is that of alumnification, uh, which is a made-up word that really just has to do with engaging your alumni in a meaningful way to help with the education uh, of a, a current group of students. And so that support, that interaction can take many forms, but it could be uh, having people engage in online communities with the students, having uh, having alumni that work with students in projects, in uh, exploring different academic concepts, helping uh, students see beyond uh, just the pure academic uh, portion and see how that really applies uh, in the professional context. It makes the learning more relevant. It makes the experience more engaging. And at that point, you're not just learning an academic concept, uh, but you're seeing how it is used, how it's relevant uh, in your career. And then you start to build relationships between alumni and students, and you create this really powerful network that will benefit the students throughout their, uh, throughout their entire career. Having experienced that when you graduate, well, now you have that understanding, but uh, hopefully even that expectation that now you will uh, help the next generation mm-hmm. as well. And so it creates this incredibly powerful network. Uh, they share some common background. They share a, a common experience at an institution. Uh, some people are calling for uh, the end of, of colleges and universities as we know them, and everybody will go virtual and online. And uh, I'm, while I'm a, a technology fan, I'm not a believer in that extreme outcome because it discounts the incredible power of presence, of face-to-face, of the interaction, which is still the gold standard of human, uh, human relationships. Now, with all the virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, all these other technologies that are coming, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that affects human relationships and interaction. But I think for a, uh, for a long time to come, there's still great power in groups of people, especially young people that are still maturing, still developing uh, emotionally, socially, and intellectually. Uh, I think there's still great power in them uh, being co-located and working on projects together and uh, interacting with one another in person. I don't see anyone that's that's really uh, in a public way uh, taking advantage of this. So I think there are enormous opportunities. Indeed, as you said, we live in interesting times. Very interesting times, and and I am uh, intrigued by your observation about the still the need for people to sort of be connected and be together. And I've seen that in my own professional experiences, uh, leading workshops where I have people face-to-face. And there is something magical about people working in a group and someone looks in someone else's eyes across the table and says something like, I never thought of that before, or I never thought of it that way until you said something about it. And there is a magical experience of people uh, engaging each other face-to-face and in groups of conversation where learning happens in the most surprising kinds of ways. And if we, if we don't have that experience, we've missed part of the, of the learning opportunity. 
I want to back up a little bit because uh, your first venture wasn't an education at all. I mean, you were sort of a company man. Uh, you started off uh, in the aerospace industry and then you went to Wall Street. Tell me a little bit about that and how you ended up sort of making this transition into more of an entrepreneurial role. You bet. Um, and indeed, I started my career, my, uh, my full-time career in aerospace and uh, working for Martin Marietta. This is back in 1983. Uh, however, if I back up during uh, my, my job during college was developing software for something called Enterprise Square uh, in uh, Edmond, Oklahoma, there on the U Oklahoma Christian College campus was this um, very fun, engaging, interactive, it was sort of like a museum or a learning environment for free enterprise. And part of it was eight different animated uh, computer games that people could play. And I uh, was privileged to be part of the team, and I wrote four of those eight games that were educational in nature, but they were fun video games. And so that, I think, sort of whetted my appetite for using technology. This was back in 1981, 82. But we saw how you could teach, uh, in this case, economic and free enterprise principles through video games. Like the, uh, the most popular one I wrote was the lawnmower game, where you got to mow yards and earn money for it and your your quality and efficiency was rewarded ap appropriately um, and I have actually played that game <laughs> I now have face to face with the fellow who wrote it that's just amazing it was a uh, it was a terrific opportunity uh, for a college student to be able to see that connection between technology and doing something fun and engaging that also uh, taught uh, educational principles. Uh, however, there weren't a lot of uh, ed tech jobs back then, education technology uh, jobs, and so I took a job with Martin Marietta Aerospace uh, in Denver, uh, developing software first on a, uh, a classified spacecraft program and then on a number of other projects. Um, but it's also where I started learning about teams and leadership and uh, some of the things about how do you organize uh, great environments for people to accomplish great things. And what was uh, one of the big learnings that came out of that? What was one of the ahas looking back on that that you realized was really important to that kind of an environment? Uh, I got to see the importance of, of culture, of teamwork, and uh, I was fortunate to be on some great teams, but I was also fortunate uh, to have friends that were on teams that weren't as great. And so it provided a useful contrast. I think if, if you, all you ever uh, get to observe is uh, some really positive environment, uh, you don't often have a, a sense of appreciation for what's unique or really uh, a really beneficial about it and so because it was such a large company and I had friends all around I was able to to see different uh, different groups but I came to realize how much uh, in those early days uh, this was long before I was a student of leadership but I was able to observe uh, what some good leaders did to craft a vision to create a, a productive environment that was healthy and um, uh, and high performance.
I've taught for years that, that uh, people are already motivated. You don't have to motivate them. If they are doing things they love and they feel a sense of purpose and connection to what they're, engage, what they're doing, they'll be engaged in it and they'll want to be there and they'll want to, to, to uh, continue to give their very, very best effort to that cause. Did you experience that as well? Yes. Yeah, I agree completely. I think uh, uh, most people uh, want to do something important. They want to uh, have a sense of autonomy and control. Uh, you read about this in the research uh, over and over that uh, if you want to uh, unlock someone's potential, uh, then you want to encourage those sorts of dynamics in their environment. In fact, I'm just reading a, a great book right now by the author Paul Tuff. It's called Helping Children Succeed, but he points out about the transformational impact of just creating an environment that allows autonomy and some uh, a sense of ownership for what you're doing, and then uh, encourages mastery, gives you the chance to actually do something and do it well, uh, where it's an intrinsic motivation. It's something you want to do, as opposed to uh, something that the teacher's cramming down you. Um, and uh, in that case, you don't feel ownership. And so your, your, your natural tendency is to resist, to push back, instead of take ownership. And so I think if you broaden these principles to the workplace, then you're exactly right. It's creating an environment that gives people a sense of ownership, a sense of, of personal autonomy. Uh, but here's where leadership really kicks in. It's not just anything goes and, hey, go do what you like, because at the end of it, as you say, you, you have uh, the mission of the organization, whether uh, that's driven by shareholders or trustees or whatever, but you have a purpose for the organization. And so the act of leadership is aligning everyone's interests and motivations uh, toward that mission and executing it then with excellence. And so that's the real, uh, the real magic of a great leader is creating an environment that helps encourage and unlock that potential but does so in the service of a goal, of something that's important to the institution. Well, how, how have you brought those principles into the way you have organized Next Thought? One of the most important things that you do in any organization, I think, is decide what your values are and who your teammates will be. If you've got the right people on the team, almost nothing else matters. You're going to succeed. If you have the wrong people on the team, almost nothing else matters, you're going to fail. And so who you invite onto the team is extremely important. But the culture that you set and the expectations and the values that the organization has and the, uh, the, the policies or the lack of policies, uh, all of those things matter. And so at Next Thought, we've tried to create something. We have a mission. We uh, our, our mantra is change the world, have fun, make money in that order. And the, the order is important, um, but make money's on the list. And we don't apologize for that because you have to make the enterprise sustainable. If you want to keep changing the world, if you want to keep having fun, then you've got to make it sustainable.
people that join our team know that we want to make a difference. We're not in this just to make some money, uh, but we want to make a difference. We want to make the world a better place. We believe education is uh, perhaps the most powerful lever uh, from which to influence the world. I know you had a background in Wall Street and your risk matrix uh, software was more about making financial decisions. What was it that, uh, that, that, that caused you to make the transition from that kind of, I guess, content into the educational domain? After 10 years in aerospace, through a friend, he introduced me to his brother at J.P. Morgan. He was in London and uh, to have a conversation and talk to him about some of the project I was working on at home uh, in neural networks. And so uh, I ended up changing careers into, uh, from aerospace into finance and financial technology with J.P. Morgan, but it was because of my buddy introduced me to his brother and ended up taking a job in New York City on Wall Street working for J.P. Morgan again uh, with software technology. J.P. Morgan was an amazing place. The downside was I worked many hours a day and had an hour and a half commute uh, each way twice a day. And so that just wasn't a long-term uh, long prospect. And so I decided to start working on a, a project uh, again, on my uh, on my long commute and time at home, I started thinking about an online education uh, company. I left J.P. Morgan. We left New York, moved back to Oklahoma to be near family and to be near a university, in this case, uh, University of Oklahoma. And so I started a, a little online education company in 1996. It was called... Uh, knowledge transfer systems. And so we set out to use this new technology called the World Wide Web and these free things called browsers. Uh, we thought, boy, that'd be a great way to deliver education. And so started working on that and then got a, um, a about four months into it, got a call from a dear friend back in uh, New York City on Wall Street and he said, hey, we're working on some things. Would you like to do some consulting for us? And so uh, ended up making the, uh, the tough call to put uh, what I was doing on the shelf. And we went off and uh, I joined uh, him. His name's Ethan Berman. I joined uh, Ethan and helped him launch a company called Risk Metrics Group, uh, which was financial technology. And we grew that. Uh, we started with 25 of us, and we grew it to 1,200 over the next 12 years, and then we sold it uh, in 2010, and that created an opportunity to think about what's next. Well, uh, there again, my heart's always been drawn to education, and a few of us launched Next Thought uh, back in 2011. And uh, we've set out to build a connected learning platform. And we took all of the lessons that we learned at Risk Metrics, all the great um, leadership and culture and people and development principles that we learned. We took all of that and have poured that directly into the culture and the ethos of Next Thought. Well, way leads on the way, and one opportunity leads to another, and there's always a, even a personal transformation along the way as well. 
and I'm wondering, uh, what advice would you give to young leaders today, young people today who are, who are seeing that they want to make a difference, that they want to be an empowering individual who just looks for a way to make things better and then go out and do something? Uh, what, what did you learn about yourself that you think would be helpful to young people who are stepping out on their own today in this kind of leadership experience? There's a lot of things. If I uh, think about it and try to distill it down, I guess one of the things I would strongly encourage is to study leadership. And uh, that's coming from someone that I never had any leadership aspiration whatsoever in, uh, in college. I didn't have a lot of uh, leadership examples. Uh, I thought uh, leadership was for, uh, was for other people. I would later grow to learn that it's teachable and it's incredibly important. So I would say one lesson is uh, treat it as a lifelong learning pursuit. The other thing I would say is just uh, the admonition that people are most important. And that sounds trite uh, and obvious. Uh, and yet, if you really look at a lot of the policies, a lot of the practices of many companies, that's not at all of the message that they give. And so when you think about where do I spend my time, where do I spend my money, uh, where do I spend development resources, uh, people are most important. If people are most important, then that says it's a high priority to you, and you're going to invest a lot of time to create the right environment, create the right culture, have the values that you want so that you attract and retain uh, the best people, that you motivate, uh, you help provide an environment that uh, adds motivation, doesn't detract from it. You may have uh, answered partially the, the last question I want to ask, but I don't want to quit before I ask this. And uh, since we are in Oklahoma, and I know Oklahoma is one of those states that's always reinventing itself, and so I'm wondering, you know, what thoughts do you have about what needs to happen here in Oklahoma uh, to keep uh, the millennials here, you know, there are young people here, uh, to make Oklahoma more attractive, uh, even for business to grow and prosper and for these young people to stay and, and to integrate fully integrate all the generations into the workplace at the same time? Yeah, it's a, I think that's a very important question. And I think if we don't inspire and engage and retain our young people and the next generations, uh, then things, things won't go well uh, for Oklahoma. The things that we can do uh, to attract and retain our, our young people, our, uh, our young professionals, is to ensure that we're encouraging them, that we're, uh, we're uh, providing access, we're providing resources uh, for them, whether it's uh, great companies to, to develop a career, cultivating an entrepreneurial environment where people can, uh, can create uh, new, new organizations and uh, with missions that will benefit the state. Uh, Oklahoma has enormous needs. Uh, if you look at education right now, uh, we're at the bottom of most of the, the good metrics, and we're at the top of many of the bad metrics. Uh, Oklahoma has a number of large challenges that we need to solve, 
And so I think engaging and inspiring our young people to help solve these things and do it in a sustainable way so that it's not just a one-off, but how do you create something that will uh, benefit our people here in Oklahoma and then take it to the rest of the world? That's, uh, that's absolutely an approach that we're working on here at Next Thought. Uh, we want to work with, uh, with the educational system and figure out how can we deliver high-value professional development uh, that can help our t- provide support and good resources for our teacher, teachers, but also provide community for them so that they uh, they have support, the uh, the benefit of of insights and help and the social impacts of fellow teachers all around the state. Uh, how do we create resources for parents? Uh, this is one I'm personally very excited about. Uh, How do we use our technology to deliver educational resources and community for parents, especially those in disadvantaged circumstances? And so as I talk to young people and share with them, hey, here's our our values, here's our mission, uh, well, then a lot of young people uh, are very interested in that from a, a, a personal impact standpoint. Hey, I'd like to be a part of that. And so I think we can create... Uh, sustainable, high-quality, high-impact opportunities. And I think those are the things that attract young people, not a bunch of phony uh, economic uh, one-off economic uh, inducements. Uh, But how do we create the opportunity for people to really contribute in profoundly important, high-impact ways? And so I think that's that's the uh, the mission that we as a state have. How do we focus on Oklahoma's needs and opportunities? And I think that will inspire and engage a, a whole generation of young people, and it'll make the state a better place. I hardly agree with uh, with your observations that the quality of life uh, is comes from the things you just mentioned, and it's not the one-off stuff. And I've seen not only Oklahoma, but other states try to do the same thing. They never really work. And it has to be something sustainable, something that provides quality. And it's even better when it comes from the citizens themselves. And so I really appreciate the time that you've taken to explain a little bit about what your company is trying to do and the way you're trying to change the world and the state of Oklahoma. And certainly it happens just a little bit at a time. But you look back and you think, gee whiz, look at what we've done over time. It's transformational. And it uh, certainly has a lot of impact. So thanks so much for uh, taking your precious time today to uh, talk about your observations, your thoughts, and telling us a little bit about your business next thought. Oh, not at all. Thank you so much for the opportunity, and uh, uh, good luck and God bless to all the young people that are, uh, are going to work and uh, improve uh, their lives, the lives of their families and communities. Uh, we certainly need it. We certainly need it, for sure. <music> Ken Parker, CEO of Next Thought, out to change the world through co- to connecting learners in what I might say is organic kind of educational environments. My guest on this episode of The Spirit of Leading. Well, that's it for this episode of The Spirit of Leading, and I want to thank you for listening. Uh, be watching for the next installment. You can subscribe to my website, and you can also listen on iTunes podcast or Stitcher. Until then, I urge you to encourage the spirit to enliven the heart 
to enlighten the mind, and to enlarge the expectations of living in yourself and in others. Live each and every day empowered. I'm Garland McWaters. Thank you for listening to The Spirit of Leading. Thank you.